Anyway, let's let's get cracking. Uh, actually, before we do the uh, questions and we respond to all those, uh, we're recording this on Sunday, the 15th of August. And um, I think uh, Kabul has fallen. Uh, so obviously, it sounds this is, like uh, it, yeah. Yeah, the, the kind so of notorious is, notorious surrender monkeys, who, the United States. Who saw that coming? It was completely out of the blue. Well, the like, CIA expected Kabul it? possibly to fall within 30 to 90 days, but I don't think anybody expected it. Though really, I mean, I should have, but I didn't expect it to happen quite so quickly. I still have some lingering faith in the CIA. Um, it ties in actually to a previous, um, to a previous uh, session that we did on the... Uh, survivability of the Afghan regime, and where I mentioned, in fact, that a in a previous discussion that the um, the stooge kind of pro-Soviet regime that the Soviets had set up after they withdrew from Afghanistan in the late eighties survived for a few years before the Taliban came in in ninety seven. But I got my dates wrong. Uh, they only survived for about three years until the early nineties, ninety two or so, before. The pro-Soviet kind of government collapsed and you had the Mujahideen takeover and the collapse of Afghanistan into civil war before the Taliban rolled into Kabul for the first time in 96, 97. So anyway, the point being, I suppose, that even though I got my facts wrong and thanks to one of our listeners who um, pointed it out, it's still the case. You sound really genuine. Thank you to that listener for pointing out my factual error. I will only improve if people keep pointing out the things I get wrong. And it's to say that nonetheless, despite that, the, um, you know, the, the pro-Soviet kind of regime lasted with after the Soviets withdrew, it lasted for about three years. And the US, the pro-US regime has lasted for a few months. So even the clapped out Stalinists at the end of the Soviet Union could put up, you know, kind of still prop up a prop up a puppet regime for a few, at least for a couple of years, unlike the US. So it's really astonishing. The other thing about it, I think, which is worth mentioning in relation to the podcast in particular, is people losing their shit on social media, particularly the liberal commentariat. And it's like they're reliving the trauma of the end of the end of history all all over again. And I think it really drives home the fact of how much the the forever wars, the nation building wars, with their whole kind of complement of camp followers, of NGOs and... um, civil society investment and humanitarian and aid work and all of that stuff, how much that was part of the end of history and it's ending all over and they're losing their minds. Their demand, you know, it's a humiliation for America, climb down, it's the end of something, it's the end of an era, insisting. And the only thing they have to offer in its place is another 20 years. No one has anything meaningful or concrete to offer as an alternative to um, fighting for another 20 years. So that trauma is still very raw and real. Yeah, it's just and... like a, a tragic lamentation, right? Like it's not like, oh, yeah. we've made a mistake here or people need to be held to account or we need to never do this again. It's like, oh dear. So it's only to say to our listeners, if you want to remember what the end of the end of history was like a few years ago, if you want to experience it all again, if you want to see knobs in all of its full deranged glory on social media, you should uh, log in over the next few days um, and be in on Twitter right now because you'll see it. The end of the end of history is happening all over again in Kabul. 
Yeah. And I mean, something that we've discussed on the podcast a lot of obviously is kind of state failure um, or uh, yeah, like state failure in Western states and their inability to really run things at home to kind of build the necessary infrastructure, um, to have the necessary kind of state bureaucracies to oversee these things and so on. Um, and you wonder whether there isn't a sort of correlate to that in uh, the attempt at nation building abroad, right? That they also weren't able to put in place any sort of viable state in Afghanistan that wouldn't immediately crumble the second the the troops pulled back and and the sort of stalemate that was reached between U.S. led forces and 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 uh, and the Taliban, you know, as soon as that was gone, um, it was completely overwhelmed. Yeah. So yeah, I guess. But on the other hand, you know, and this is probably what the the states were thinking that you you know you miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't take. So sometimes you've got to. Oh you've got God, to try Jesus and- Christ! If you say that one more time on the podcast, George. Have I said it before? I yes, mean, so you've said times. it multiple advice. times, so many times. Well, it's just good. Also, advice. how does it how does it possibly apply here? Like, what? How does that explain because, U.S. strategy? Because they were thinking, should we go for it? Should we try and nation build abroad? Well, on the on the one hand, there are all these potential difficulties, but you know, on the other column, it's like you do miss hundred percent of the shots you don't take. So maybe That's we should take this one, and even if we're not. That, it, that literally brings no light score. to the question whatsoever. Should we if move? you want to criticize their hubris, then that is the way you should say it. Not like they should, they, they're, they're trying to be more um, adventurous and, you know, good on them for, for trying those shots, even if they might at miss. Least, yeah, um, at least they know. gave it a shot. Yeah, but they missed, but you know, who cares? I mean, it's only like, thanks, what is it? You know, only human life. Input. You gave it a good go. Only, you know, tens of thousands, maybe even hundreds of thousands of dead, but who cares? It's fine. I mean, what's going to happen next? It's it maybe worth, kind of concerned because Biden's now sending in yeah, a couple more point. troops. He's sending in another 3000 or 6000 troops. Um, and obviously they're, they're saying, Oh, you know, if any, you know, embassy staff are harmed or any of our people kind of there um, or, or, or their assets or whatever uh, are harmed that then they'll um, have to retaliate against the Taliban. Um, yeah, they're there, but it looks like the Taliban. So as least at the time of the recording, it looks like the Taliban are trying to avoid a fight. Um, which is interesting on a number of levels. So they're trying to avoid a fight while the US withdraws its staff and its allies and Western allies. But also it seems then, you know, I mean, so Kabul's a large city, you know, it's well connected on the NGO circuit. I'm sure it's got like hipster cafes even and lots of foreign correspondents and, you know, lots of Afghans who are used to working for um, the NGOs and all that. And so it seems the Taliban are being smarter about the kind of international imagery that they want in terms of their taking over. They've also been careful about cultivating the Chinese diplomatically. They've made clear that they're not going to let, um, their intention at least is not to let Afghanistan be used as a rear support base for jihadis in Western China, in Xinjiang. And so, you know, it seems like they're um, essentially it's a kind of uh, Islamo-nationalist project rather than a kind of insane globalist expansionist kind of jihadi um project as isis was so i think that's you know what happens next is that they will make some noises about letting girls go to school they'll avoid anything too kind of um too obvious in terms of the cafes and the hotels where the western journalists will hang out they'll avoid anything too kind of bloody or disruptive happening in kabul itself and the rest of the country will probably you know, kind of um, sink back into where it was before, which is essentially rural theocracy. So all this kind of noise about Afghan women being locked up, I mean, that will, my guess is, and I, you know, or imagine at least, and I'm pretty sure this will be, um, you know, I don't see that this wouldn't be true, 
is that will apply to kind of women in urban enclaves um, that kind of lived under NATO protection effectively, but that for the majority of women living in rural Afghanistan, in smaller cities and towns, life won't change. Hey there, you've reached the end of a short excerpt from an episode that's been released only to our patrons. If you'd like to join us and gain access to around two Patreon-exclusive episodes a month, please go to patreon.com slash We'd love to have you.